You're listening to episode 48 of the We Got the Runs podcast. In this episode, we're going to talk about the RRCA Run Coaching Certification. Welcome to the We Got the Runs podcast. I'm your host, Letty Lundquist, and I invite you to join me as we talk about all things running. In this podcast, we talk tips, tactics, and strategies to make every run a good run. Hey runners, welcome to episode 48, and hello Ryan. Hello Letty. How's it going? Good. Pretty good day so far, huh? Yeah. We got to go for a run. Yeah, it's 80, temperatures in the 80s here in Florida, so of course we go for a run. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and we went in a cool area, had some little trails in the trees, so you get to run in the shade. Which, if any of you guys want to check this out, I now have a little camera called an Insta360 Go 2, which is a tiny little camera that you attach to your hat. And it does little clips, and then they have an app, and you put it all together in a little music video. Takes almost no time. You sound like it's a sponsored podcast. We're not sponsored. Not. I wish we were. <laughs> I wish we were too. <laughs> That'd be nice. But no, free, so free if you want to check it out, we have an Instagram account at WGTR Podcast, and we put our videos there from now on, from here on out. <laughs> Starting. Right now. <laughs> Today? Yes. Yeah, you have any videos on there yet? I got a video yesterday. Okay, starting yesterday. Starting yesterday, we now have videos. They're very short clips, so they're less than a minute. Anyway, so yeah, that's the Insta360 go-to, non-sponsored. And um, <laughs> after that, we went and had lunch. And that was kind of funny. We uh, saw a guy with a holy shirt. Describe your holy shirt. Well, you were kind of describing it as something funny. So it's basically, it was a guy that was sitting there and he had a mesh shirt on. Yeah. So it's basically almost like not wearing a shirt. <laughs> but I told Ryan, I have a lot of these mesh shirts too, because I go running early in the morning. So when you're in the heat and you kind of don't want to wear a shirt, like right now when you're running, you don't want to wear a shirt. But sometimes you feel like you do, like when you're running at 5 a.m. and there's traffic. For some reason, guys honk at you when you're running without a shirt on. And it's really annoying. So I bought myself a bunch of these same type of uh, mesh shirts just to kind of not invite the honking. So we were talking about honking earlier and you were mentioning it and how you dislike it. Yeah. And I was asking you, why do guys do that? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the... Not like you're going to stop running and run over there and ask for their number or something. Because <laughs> yeah. they haunt. <laughs> yeah, so it, it startles us as runners. And then it makes us, when it's dark, it makes us feel kind of like, oh, are they going to come back and do something bad to me? It's very uncomfortable, actually. I never get honked at unless someone mistakes me for a girl. <laughs> <laughs> Which has never happened. Hasn't happened yet. If you if you knew what Ryan looked like, you'd be like, yep, that's the furthest thing away from a girl. <laughs> I like your confidence there. <laughs> well, so anyhow, what are we going to talk about today? I think you told me we were going to do a course review or you were going to do a course review. Yes. So I took this RRCA, Roadrunners Club of America, Run Coach Level 1 certification class it um, took two days. It was from 9 to 6 on a Saturday and then again on a Sunday. 
And I did that not because I want to be a run coach, but because of this podcast and because I feel like I need to have a little bit more knowledge when I talk to my guests. Also, I always feel like you need to have some room or you have some room to improve. So you might as well learn a little bit more, especially the physiology part. And then maybe when our kids get older, there's a lot of running clubs One of them is called Girls on the Run, which teaches little girls how to not just run, but also be more confident women. I figured it'd be cool to be a run coach for Liana and perhaps Kai. If, so if they allow women coaches for the boys clubs uh. too. Yeah. So we're kind of going to do this interview style. Ryan's going to ask me a few questions and then I'm going to answer more or less in depth. And then um, if you guys are interested in learning a little bit more about the particular points or things that were taught in that course, you can reach out either via message, Instagram, whatever you prefer, and then we can have a whole podcast on a discussion like this. Okay, let me get out my question sheet that you made for me. <laughs> You're so funny. So, who was hosting? All right, so this certification was hosted by the Roadrunners Club of America. Um, it's a running club that was founded in 1958, um, one of the oldest and largest national associations of runners. And yeah, it's a nonprofit organization now and basically a community of running clubs, event organizers, coaches, and runners. On their website, they make it clear that their mission is the development and success of community-based running organizations that empower all people to participate in the sport of running in pursuit of enjoyment, health, and well-being and competition. Their vision is to see organized running clubs and events established in every community in the U.S. And some of their values are runners, runner safeties, diversities, fair competition, no cheating, anti-doping, compliance, etc., etc. So if you want to know more about them, their website is www.rrca.org. Okay, next question. How much was it? So I think it was about $300. I was trying to figure out how much it was, but I couldn't find the correct number for it because it looks like online they are going back to in-person classes again. This course was all online. It was all hosted via Zoom, which was something new for them. Um, before the pandemic, they were known for the in-person courses and you'd have to fly out to all these different cities where some run coaches were willing and able to host events. In this case, what happened was you would get an email and it would tell you I think about 10 available courses. So if you wanted to sign up for them, you had to do so ASAP because it seemed like all of the world was trying to sign up for these courses and they filled up within hours of being released. So, but yeah, I believe it was right around $300. Well, that's interesting. What other coaching certifications are out there and who are their competitors? Yeah, so good question. I used to think that there was only RRCA and then USATF, which is USA Track and Field. But it looks like just browsing online, there are a lot more than expected. And I'm kind of assuming it's the same as personal trainer certifications because beforehand there used to be just a few and now pretty much anyone will certify you if you pay the right amount of money. So from the recognized ones, I want to say the top one is RRCA, 
and USA Track and Field. Um, so USA Track and Field, if you want to become one of their coaches, it's possible to do that online as well. I believe also via Zoom, I believe that they charge around $200 and there's a separate fee for the coaching exam, but I'm sure <laughs> someone will come and correct me if I'm wrong with that. So, so that's what I know about USATF. There are, of course, more courses that do online certifications that I was able to find online. One of them is the North American Academy for Sport Fitness Professionals. So it looks like this option costs just about $300 as well. And you can pick from one of the three designations. One of them is marathon coach, one of them is running coach, and one of them is walking coach. And last but not least, there is the United Endurance Sports Coaching Academy. They also offer a course and seem to be quite popular. Okay, next question. What was included? All right, so included in the price was a two-day course taught by an RRCA-approved instructor. Um, also included was the course material, which was a big fat course book that arrived via FedEx on our doorstep probably about a week before class. And last but not least, in this RRCA certification, they actually include your online exam that you get to take within, I don't know, 48 hours up to a month after having taken the course. So normally, had the course been in person, they would also include a continental breakfast and a lunch. But I mean, obviously, this way, they didn't include that. And I'm sure their pricing reflected that as well. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. So I guess, let's see, touch on some of the topics that were discussed in this course. Oh, yay, my favorite question. All right, let's dive into that. So we started with an introduction or kind of an overview of what this course was going to be about with the instructors. And we had 30 people, or no, I'm sorry, 36 people sitting on a Zoom screen gallery. So we had two instructors, they introduced themselves and told us what was about to happen during that day. They told us about their credentials and, you know, made us feel like we're in good hands with them. So from there on, we talked about all the topics that we were going to talk about over the next two days. And there was a lot, but I made a list of the ones that I recall the most. So here's that. Number one, type of runner and how we as future coaches are to treat these type of runners or I guess coach them. Number two, running specific strength training and cross training for runners. Number three, physiology. Number four, heat altitude running, number five, the business of coaching and sports psychology, and number six, building a training plan or a periodized program for your runners. All right, let's hear about the type of runners there are and what the coach has to pay attention to. So we basically went over that we have novice runners, novice marathoners, recreational runners, experienced runners, and um, competitive racers, returning runners, trail runners, ultra runners, multi-sports runners, and yeah, basically you name it. And so then we talked about all these different types of runners and what their coaching needs were. 
and figured out that they're all very, very different. Um, so then we kind of played around with these types of runners and tried to identify who they were, what their physical needs were, and from a coaching standpoint, the types of workouts that they would need, and then their psychological needs, and perhaps some red flags. So this was super interesting. So I want to give you an example. Let's talk about the novice marathoner. Who is a novice marathoner? It's a person that runs around 15 to 25 miles per week with the goal of completing a marathon or 50K, perhaps through a charity program or a local marathon training program. Their physical needs are to learn conversational pace and patience, also to grow their long run, run further and more often, but still try to avoid injury always, always, and then um, get faster at the conversational pace by gaining running efficiency, gradually incorporating submaximal effort sessions. So... I'm going to just say the type of workouts that would be needed would be obviously the conversation pace running, building the long run, perhaps using a walk run method, incorporate some strides, incorporate some easy effort sessions that are low intensity, fart legs, tempo, hill, track workouts, etc. And then once this person has achieved about 500 training miles and one or two marathons, they would no longer be called a novice. So then let's talk about the psychological needs for the novice runner. Um, it's basically staying motivated through bad patches, avoiding fads, avoiding overtraining, and staying confident. And some red flags are it's kind of repetitive, the extremes of motivation and high passion. So, you know, they're enthusiastic about running, and one day it's super awesome, and the next day they're just kind of over it. Um, also running through injury, Another red flag would be excitement over fad workouts or too much cross-training, for example, going crazy over a spinning class, etc. That was very thorough and sounds interesting. Now let's move on to strength training and cross-training. What can you sum up about that? So we figured out what strength training is, and I want to give you the definition. It's a weight-based, body weight-based, and mobility flexibility exercises that are designed to provide injury prevention by strengthening muscles and improving overall balance and flexibility. So just like the word says, running specific, it's protect to protect you as a runner and make you stronger as a runner. So we talked about that. And then we also dove into cross training and trying to figure out what cross training really is. Because just like with everything, there is a lot of definitions, but it's interesting to see what runners in our group or in our course defined as cross training, including myself, and then what we learned about what it really is. And just so that you know, cross training for runners are activities that mimic running form and improve the cardiorespiratory system. So um, breastfeeding, not cross training, <laughs> and a bunch of other ones that we said were not really cross training. It's kind of funny. But let's talk about some of the things you learned about physiology. So when we started this topic, we dove right into the uh, Jack Daniels running formula, seven principles. So if you guys aren't familiar with Jack Daniels, we're not talking about the whiskey here. We are talking about a book by a man called Jack Daniels. 
Super interesting. Amazon, Google it and get it. Anyhow, so there's the seven principles. So principle number one is the body's reaction to stress. And it is basically stating that repeated chronic exercise training induced stress changes you over time. Your muscles become stronger. Your blood flow to the muscles is increased. Muscle cells change. You have more energy, less waste accumulation during given bouts. And your resting heart rate decreases. You have lower body fat less fat under the skin, etc. A lot of different things as a reaction to stress. Principle number two is the specificity of training. The system you stress is a system that becomes better and improves. Then we talked about principle number three, which is the rate of achievement, which is really interesting because it talks about you putting a new stressor into your life and then your body adjusting to it. So basically that taught us why we do certain things during a training plan. Why we take time to build up our long run or introduce different types of workouts into the running. And basically what they were saying is it takes three to six weeks um, as an optimal time to maintain a given cycle of effort. And then your body is able to improve and you can move on to the next one, which I found that super interesting. And now you guys know why your training plan changes when it changes. So the other couple, or I'm sorry, few principles of the Jack Daniels book were the personal limitation. Each individual has unique limits, such as your height, your muscle strength, your VO2 max, and then of course the situational limitations, which is work schedule, family commitments, weather, etc. Can you tell us the difference about the different running zones? We talked about the aerobic recovery zone, the aerobic training zone, the lactate lactate threshold zones, critical zone, the VO2 max zone, and the anaerobic zone. And I'm sure that in the future, we will have multiple podcasts talking about these different topics because they are just so, so interesting. And what else did you learn about when it comes to physiology? We talked about slow twitch, fast twitch muscles, and the ones in between that you can adapt to either become your sprinter muscles or your long run muscles. We talked about the lactate threshold. We talked about minimizing the effect of waste buildup. We talked about aerobic capacity, VO2 max and gender and how your VO2 max goes down as you age. We talked about running economy. And then of course, we talked about the biggest thing that every runner is super interested in, which is what pace should I train at and what should I do to get faster? So there's a table attached to the back of our book, which is the RRCA table that they use to figure out at what pace you should be running, what type of event and at what pace you should be running, which type of run. What about the heat and altitude running? We talked about how temperatures impact your performance and how your body's cooling mechanism functions. We talked about the metabolic response to exercise in the heat and how you can improve by running in the heat. And then we also talked about some signs of heat illness, including heat cramps, heat stroke, and just uh, exhaustion. What about nutrition? Of course, we spend a good time, a good chunk of time on the subject of nutrition and what nutrition is good for when it comes to runners in particular. We talked about the value of eating protein, which for you guys that don't know, 
protein is good because it builds blocks for protein synthesis, which allows for cell function, mental energy, and recovery from exercise. So basically, protein is good to recover your damaged muscles after your exercise that's very strenuous. So then we talked about fat and why fat is good for you. And it is good for you because it provides fatty acids that line every cell in our body. And in order to use carbohydrate and fat, we need to eat healthy, fat-rich foods for optimal cell function, hormone balance, and energy production. So that's why we don't restrict fat intake, but we choose wisely what type of fat we eat. Um, And they concluded by telling us that there is some evidence that runners engaged in long, slow activity benefit from additional high-fat, which uh, helps sustain prolonged exercise at lower intensities. And of course, we also talked about carbs, the one thing that everybody seems to be so scared of, always. All right. So the next topic you mentioned is the business of coaching and sports psychology. A lot of people obviously want to be coaching people. So we talked about how to put that together and I'm not going to bore you with that. Then we also talked about sports psychology, which that again was very interesting because we talk about some of the principles of psychology and how to apply those to runners. I'm going to give you some examples here, and this starts by just thinking about how you are motivated. Are you intrinsically motivated or extrinsically motivated? And then we also talked about setting goals that are realistic and um, make you walk away from a race and be happy regardless of what happens. So setting realistic goals, one can be an easy goal, one can be your primary goal, and one can be a stretch goal. So your easy goal could be running a race at an eight-minute pace. Your primary goal would be your goal that would say, okay, I'm running everything at a negative split starting 7.30 pace and that's your primary goal. And then a stretch goal, you know, maybe if all conditions, if everything falls into place for that one race, the weather is perfect, you're hydrated, you got a lot of rest, then maybe you'll be able to complete whatever mileage you're completing at a 7.15 pace. So no matter what happens, if you hit your easy goal, you'll be walking away happy because you've already established in your mind that this is something that you be that you can be content with. So the last topic I have on your list is about building a training program for runners. Can you talk about that? So that's basically writing a running program for another runner by being given certain facts. For example, there was uh, Esmeralda, who was in our book as a sample person. She was of a certain age, had run normally a certain amount of mileage per week building up, and then she had certain issues and other facts that we had to consider while looking at her goal of completing a marathon or whatever that distance was. So luckily in the textbook, there were these triangles that we were able to look at that showed us the mesocycles. So a mesocycle is about a three-week um, or longer, three to six-week cycle of what you give your athlete and they keep doing that same thing, building up the mileage while doing that and then move on to the next phase. And the reason being, as we mentioned earlier, is because it takes a while for your body to adapt to certain exercises. So there is a triangle 
chart in the textbook that has it. It looks kind of like the same as we would have back in the days on the cereal boxes where I told you carbs were at the bottom and then all the other macronutrition things. So at the bottom here, we have the mesocycle recovery, which is obviously the cycle that you do after you're done running a race. Then you have the base cycle which is conversational pace running. Then you have the strength cycle, which include tempo, hills, and fart legs. Then you have the long interval cycle. Then you have the short intervals, which is not applicable or barely applicable for the marathon. And then on top of a triangle, you can imagine a tiny little triangle that is your peak performance for the racing season. So there were two samples like that in the textbook for novice marathoners and experienced marathoners, just to kind of give us an idea of how long each one of these athletes is to be in that cycle. And um, yeah, but super interesting, super difficult. I still haven't wrapped my brain around it all. But yeah, that's it in a big fat nutshell. And like I said, I will be probably continuing doing podcasts about certain topics and uh, let you guys know what's in there straight from the textbook. Okay. And so now let's talk about the pros and cons a little bit. All right. So I know that's the last question. So pros and cons. Um, if I hadn't talked about it yet, Zoom, Zoom meeting versus not having a Zoom meeting. And that's really not the fault of RRCA, Roadrunners Club of America. We're in a pandemic. So of course, this was something that was not in person. I think um, on one hand, it was great to have this via Zoom because it allowed you to have this sort of meeting and course from the comfort of your home without having to book a hotel and staying overnight somewhere because uh, it seems like they're just sporadically in different places of the country. But of course, the cons are you're not networking as much as you can. And perhaps it's not as engaging because normally when we have a Zoom meeting, we want to be respectful of other people's time more so than when in person, everybody is muted. And then of course, in the background of the Zoom, you've got the chat going on. But um, I mean, it worked. And we did go through all the course material. We were there every single day or both days, I guess, from 9 to 6 p.m. And we barely covered the material. So I don't know how it would have gone in person because we used up all the time. Had there been more questions, maybe we wouldn't have had enough time to finish it all. So overall, what do you think your impression of the course is? Would you recommend it to people wanting to get into run coaching? I think I would just because there was a lot included, as we just mentioned, and um, for the price and the value of it, I feel like anybody could really benefit from that. You know, I'm a big fan of learning more and not just being a sheep and following your coach's recommendations. So if you want to know why what works and why what doesn't work, or if you in the future, or if you don't think you're always going to have a run coach... Or if you want to pass on some knowledge, I definitely recommend it. And also the other reason being that this was a course where there was a lot of people, there were 36 people in my class, and a lot of networking was done at the end of the class. We exchanged emails and Instagram social accounts, etc. So even just to, I don't know, grow your running community, I think it's a Good idea to participate and then take the exam. So how'd you do in the exam? So I haven't taken it yet. <laughs> <laughs> 
I took this course a couple weeks ago and then life got busy with work and kids, but I'm planning on taking it next week. But You're going to forget all the stuff you learned. No, rest assured, it's an open book exam. Oh. So I have no excuses, right? No. Is it timed? It's not timed. What? Okay, you're good. <laughs> Anyhow, that's it for this week. Thanks for tuning in. Again, if you would like to hear some more information, feel free to reach out. Until next time. Thanks for listening. For training tips, previous podcast episodes, and fun merchandise for runners, please check out our website at wgtr.us. That's wgtr.us. And as always, have a wonderful week of running.